Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So I believe today is a special day for all of us. It's a special day because of what I really sense God wants to speak to us. And if you're anything like me, you come to moments in your life where you realize you need a touch from God and a word from God. Amen? And so I believe that God wants to speak to us today. I believe that God wants to minister to us through his word today. And I believe that he has something special for you. We've been on a journey through the Bible and we've, we've, we've seen it so clearly that mankind is in a lot of need of God. Actually, we have nothing to offer God on our own, that we're depraved. We've seen from Genesis, as we walk through the Old Testament, we've seen the need of God for humanity, but we've also seen the heart of God for us. And we've been making our way through the scriptures, and we were in Psalms last week, and I was preparing to move on to the next book, and as we're giving these high-level overviews of each book or, or we're zooming in on certain things that point to God's purpose for us. But as I was looking and reading, I, I felt like the Lord really spoke to me clearly. He does, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't speak to me. I'm not saying usually what I say is not from God. That's not what I'm saying. But in this situation, it was unique. It was his heart for you. And that's really what my, what my job is, is just to communicate God's heart to you. He, he can do it in his word, but for some reason, he's decided to use pastors and teachers of the word. I don't know why, but he does. And so I believe that God wants to speak something to you today. And before I could leave Psalms from last week, I felt God said, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go on until you teach and I am allowed to minister through Psalm 51 to my people. So I want you just to prepare your heart today to receive from your loving God. This is such an incredible chapter and I believe that God has healing for you today from Psalm 51. In order to understand Psalm 51, which we all love, we need to understand the, 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 the backdrop. Before we understand how it applies, we have to understand the context. And the backdrop of Psalm 51 takes us back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. David commits adultery with Bathsheba. He arranged for then her husband to be killed. And we, today, I believe God's inviting us to step in a, in, in, in a doorway into the room in which David is praying this chapter. 
And as we, as we cross through the, the doorway of Psalm 51 and we begin to hear the voice of David, it's a voice not of a great warrior or a great king, but it begins of David's regretful, remorseful, broken heart being poured out before God. And if you listen closely enough, you can feel the pain of his failures. You can hear the groans of his confessions. You can feel the weight that he feels because of his sin. As we stand in the room of Psalm 51, it's you can, you can sense the seriousness of the atmosphere. You see, David is no longer able to hide. He's no longer able to cover his sin. He can no longer deflect it. He can no longer try to act as though everything's okay. And David, you, you, you can hear him as he opens his dejected, weary, convicted, quivering soul, and it begins to come out of his mouth. You can hear his words making their way through his tears, and he begins to utter words describing himself. They're uncomfortable. There's no more facades, there's no more excuses, there's no more reasons. And he refers to himself as words like rebellious, guilt. From his belly he groans. He calls it like it is. my evil, and he fully embraces the offensiveness of his sin, of his transgressions. As you read it, you, as you stand in that room, you hear him declare, I have sinned against you, God. Yes, he he has relived his moments of sin. He's, he's replayed in his own mind up to this point of the look of the look in the eyes of those who are around him, those he, he has sinned against, those he has lost respect with. He still gets a little. Embarrassed when the general Joab is around him because he gave Joab a letter. Excuse me. He gave Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, a letter, which he, Uriah then took back to Joab. As Joab opened it, it was a letter from David. It says, put Uriah at the front, at the front of the battle. He's embarrassed. 
He's grieved by his sin. You can, you can, you can hear it in the room. What it did to Bathsheba, what it did to her family, what it did to the child that was lost. There were consequences. But here in the room, there's a weight. And it's not the sin that was done against others. This is David. And in this moment, in this time, he's facing the sin that he did against God. That was the worst consequence of his action. It wasn't the people that was horrific. It wasn't the child that was terrible. It wasn't Uriah that was murder. This is what it all comes down to. God, I've sinned against you. When you listen to David, he, he's not back in 2 Samuel chapter 11 where he's trying to, his pride's trying to figure out how he can hide it, how he can cover it up, how he can manipulate the situation, how he can get Uriah. Maybe he'll go in and, 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 and sleep with Bathsheba and then it doesn't matter anymore. You don't see this. You don't hear this. It's not how can I cover it up anymore. It's how can I do this to you, God? Then David goes in and he speaks of his own frustration, of his own brokenness. He even goes back to the moment. In verse 3, he says, my, my sin is always before me. He goes back to the moment, in my birth, I was sin. No more games, no more facades. And he doesn't take lightly the gravity of his sin. But in his trembling voice, in the gravity of his self-awareness, of his conviction, with the same trembling voice, trembling heart, he appeals to God. And he begins to talk about God's faithful love. In the midst of his consequences, he mentions, God, you're abundant compassion. And he cries out for God's graciousness. We like Psalm 51 because we all love to grovel when we fail. And it's David's Right, he is modeling true repentance. But God's also modeling something through him to us today. 
But the reality, before I get there, David recognized that in his sin, in his depravity, even in his best day, he had a problem. He needed to be cleansed. And David could not cleanse himself. There was nothing he could do. No work, no effort. And in his confession, he asked God, verse 7, to purify him, to wash him. Why would he ask that? Because he can't do it himself. Knowing that God knows all things, he asked God in verse 9, Turn your face from my sins. Blot out my guilt. And we see David's confession, his honest, his specific, uncomfortable confession. He was humble. He didn't do what Adam did in the garden where God said, hey, what happened? Adam goes, she, her, it's her fault. And then God goes, hey, Eve, what happened? It's the serpent's fault. By the end of the, by, by, as we come to the, the end of what happened in the garden, it's God, it's your fault. Deflection, spinning. This isn't David. David didn't even try to hide behind his religion. He didn't try to hide behind what God had set up through Moses. He didn't try to rehearse in his mind, yes, but, but I've done this and I've been to the temple and I must be okay because I made sacrifices and I went to church and I was anointed by the prophet I fed the poor, I served in ministry, I sacrificed time, money, the, my home, my efforts. I read the Bible. He didn't use any of that to convince him he didn't need to be in the room of Psalm 51. None of it mattered. He didn't allow his religion to be a cover-up for his sin. He didn't allow his rituals and his good deeds to somehow numb his inward reality. He actually said this, God... You do not delight in sacrifice. Verse 16, that's, that's what it says. How, how, how is that possible? How is it possible that God doesn't delight in sacrifice? God said to come and make a sacrifice. David says, you do not delight in sacrifice. Or I'd bring it to you. I, I, this is confusing, I don't understand. 
says, you, you do not pleasure in burnt offerings. And then David says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart that you will not despise. David knew he could bring a sacrifice and not really mean it. David knew that his God didn't want his stuff. He wanted his heart. God doesn't want your stuff. He wants your heart. And David understood this. And it's in Psalm 51 we see the pathway of God's grace. But something that we need to understand today the pathway of God's grace and God's restoration to our lives is paved with humility, with honesty, and transparency before our God. And that's what David is modeling. It's this pathway. It's this understanding that God wants us to be totally and absolutely open and honest, articulate. He wants us to confess our sin before him. And the reason being is because that's the pathway to you receiving God's restoration in your life. This is what I believe that God wants you to receive today. God wants you to receive the restoration. He wants you to receive his restoration in your life that comes from you being humble, honest, and confessing before him. Most of us stop short there. Most of us, when we come before God, especially after we've been walking with God maybe for a while, and we've stumbled, we've failed, we've sinned, we knew better. We don't know why. We don't know how it happened. I mean, we, we made a choice. And, and so when we come before God, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we, want, we want to say, Lord, forgive me for my trespasses. And God says, what trespasses? Which ones? Those. We're uncomfortable even saying before God, the decisions we've made and the things that we've done that were 
against him. And David shows us this model that actually we can come before our living God and we can give him everything. We can tell him everything. And when we find ourselves at the place of as we're confessing before him, too uncomfortable to say something, even under our breath in a room by ourselves to him, the Lord says, I want that. Give me that. Entrust that to me. This is the pathway to receiving our restoration. It's laid out in Psalm 51. David just doesn't want a clean slate. He just doesn't want a clean heart. He wants a brand new start. David was still a son of God. Isn't that good enough? Can he just say, I'm still a son? No, no. David comes before his God and he says, Lord, I want a new start. I sinned against you. I reacted this way. I said this. I did this. I felt this and acted on it. I, I explored this. I used this. And I sinned against you because that's not who I am. You, that's not who you made me to be. And David says this, he says, in verse 10, he says, cleanse or create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. David knows his heart is sinful. He knows he can't try hard enough to fix it. He knows he needs a new heart. He needs a radically new beginning. Now listen to me. And this is exactly what God gives him. Because he trusted God fully with his honest and specific confession. And then David got what he asked for. Most of us stop short. Most of us stop short. We, many of us stop short of actually being honest before God. We still like our facades. We still like to be prim and proper. We, even though God knows everything anyway, it's too painful for us to come to the reality of actually that we sinned against our God. But as, as, if, even if we get through that, even if we lay it all out before him, then God says, now I want to bring restoration in your life. And we say, God, I, I don't deserve it. God, didn't you just hear what I just said to you? And we stay on the outer courts of God's purpose for our life. And we, we want him to know 
that we're really, really sorry, even after we've confessed it to him. So we think, God, I know you have this plan for me, but I'm going to show you that I still don't feel worthy. And we stay on the outside. And God invites us to allow him to bring restoration in our life. Do you know why? Because that's what he does. And for those who can confess, who can articulate before God, boldly, unashamed, but under conviction. We don't use a con con confession as just a way to just get out from stuff. No, 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 no. This is a broken and contrite heart and spirit. But God invites us into his purposes to restore us. And that is what God wants you to hear today. Many of us have not yet embraced the restoration of the goodness of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Many of us have not yet walked in the purposes of God in our life. One, because we've stopped short at actually confessing because we just can't do it. Or even after we then disqualify our own selves and we say, I'll stay right here. Friends, God wants to heal you today and he wants to restore you today. He wants you to understand the benefit of his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants you to step from where you are into the restoration that his son, Jesus, paid for on the cross. And here's the result in Psalm 51. Number one, when you, the result of our honest and specific confession to God is God recreates our hearts. Listen, the same God that created the universe, the moon, the stars, the darkness of the seas, the earth. That same one can recreate our hearts. Our hearts that have been impacted by disappointment, by frustration, by our own sins, by our own consequences, by our own failures, by our own betrayals. That heart, we say, God, can you just come and just, just polish it a little bit? But the restoration of God is in our confession and our surrender and our brokenheartedness. He then gives us a new heart. He, he, he takes the desires of, this, of that old heart, that we, the patterns that we keep turning back to, and turning back to sin and turning back to old ways and turning back. Here, here's the deal. We've stayed on the outside and God says, I want you to go all in because I've got a brand new heart I'm going to place inside of you that's going to give you new desires, new emotions, new hearts. And so now God says, I want to restore you. How many of us in this room are sitting here today Serving a God that loves us, and we still have a heart that's hardened, that's broken, that's smashed 
from our past, what was done to us and the things that we've done. And we say, at least I'm saved. And God says, that's just the beginning. The same God that created all of the, the universe by his voice, if you will allow him today, can give you a new heart and transform you from the inside. Most of us want God to give us a, new, a clean slate. Most of us says God just blot out, but under the new covenant, God gives you a new heart. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Yes, but Jason, what, what happens after I get a new heart and then I sin? then you confess, you humble yourself, be specific. God is not in the shortage of new hearts. He doesn't have a shortage. There's no back order. As soon as you do, he gives you a new heart. Most of us are walking around crushed and broken. Our emotions are all over the place. We've never said, can I exchange this? That's the restoration that God has for you today. Second thing that happens after a honest and specific confession before the Lord is God reestablishes our joy. He reestablishes our joy. Psalm 51, 12, he says, restore to me the joy, not of my salvation, of your salvation. The day you saved me, the day that, that God, take me back to that place that, that, that I was free. That you revealed to me I'm a child of God. Take me to that place. And you gave me your joy. Most of us live our lives, most of us experience joy in our lives from the circumstances of our lives. But David showed us, life doesn't always offer joy, does it? Life hurts. Life's disappointing. Life's painful. And in our moments of desperation, depression, anxiety, we say, Lord, can you give me your joy? And somehow we thought we could manufacture it ourselves. But our God has exchanged his divine nature for our broken humanity so that we can have his divine nature in us. Amen. 
When's the last time you received fresh joy? That in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your identity crisis, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of all that, that all of us have, wait a minute, God, may I just, may you just reestablish your joy. Lord, I confess you today that I've put my joy in the circumstances of life and I've put it in people and I've put it in things. The day I confess, I honestly come before you and say, I acknowledge that gives me no joy, but you do. Restore to me my joy. This is something that only God can do, friends, and God wants to do it. In our frailties and our broken areas of sin, we defy God. So the next thing after he restores our, our joy is we have to recognize that in our failures, in our, in our broken areas of our life, that sin devastates areas of our lives. But then, what happens next? What do we see David do? He goes from receiving his new heart. He goes from receiving God's joy. And then he steps into re-experiencing communion with God. Psalm 51, 12, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now he's in step with God. Now you're being led of the Spirit, being spoken to by the Spirit. When we confess, when we lay it all before the Lord, he doesn't, he doesn't call us to that place so he can say, Ha, finally, you put your nose in the dirt. He brings us to that place so he can say, This is my pathway of restoring to you your heart, your joy. And our communion. There's a place in Bethlehem as you go to see traditionally where Jesus might have been born. When you walk in the church, it's a little door like this. And you have to get down and you have to go in the door like this in order to get through. It's called the door of humility. That's the pathway that God has designed for us to be restored and receive everything that God has for us. But here's the reality. When we confess, when we come before the Lord, look at this. God, David says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When we confess, we come into alignment with his will. We come into alignment with his desires. Whatever he wants, we want. Whatever you say, I'll do it. There's a spirit 
feeling. There's an charging of our own beings as we come in. We realize the enemy doesn't want us to confess. And finally, when we do, we realize, whoo, I'm a free man. All of a sudden, I'm walking with God. I'm, I'm hearing God. He's guiding me. He's leading me. I've got courage I've never had before. I've got gifts I've never had before. And it's God's desire to restore to you that which your brokenness and your failings and your sin has taken from you. He just says, just come to me and then let me restore you. And this is what David is, is speaking to us. You, we come back into communion. Remember the last time that you felt, whether it was the joy of God, that you actually woke up in the morning Remember the, remember the day, the night you got saved, the day you gave your life to Jesus, and then the next morning you woke up and you thought, oh boy, my other mornings weren't like this. Remember the communion you had with God, the closeness, the, the intimacy. As you confess... You then hear his voice, hey son, let's go this way. Let's do this. I think one of the major blocking things in most of our lives from being led of the spirit, being guided specifically, articulately from the spirit is we have yet to confess honestly, descriptively, before the Lord. We're still withholding. He's not withholding. It's just you can't get through the door unless you actually do it. And God says, I want you to have this. I want to restore to you that communion. If you feel the lacking of communion with God today, then confess. Be honest. Entrust him with your sin. He's the one that paid for it anyway. And as you begin to confess, as you begin to say things you're ashamed of, you're going to feel the chains of those sins falling off. And you're going to feel the warmth of God's communion in your life again. You can be saved and never walk in the restoration of God. And today, friends, he says, let me heal you. Let me restore you. Give it all to me. Fourth thing David shows us is that when we come and we humbly confess our sins to God, on a daily basis, some of you need to hear this one. There is a reignition of your calling. There's a sound in the engine room of your calling. All of a sudden, you go, away, oh, hey, I remember that. I remember that fire that burned in my bones. I remember when God called me. I remember that God said, hey, boy, I'm calling you to go, go to the nations. I remember that moment. 
And all of a sudden, those things begin to burn in you again that you thought were dead and long gone. And now as you confess, all of a sudden, God goes, hey, hello, I haven't moved on yet. And you begin to fan those flames of the calling of God on your life, regardless of what age, regardless of what stage of life. God has a call on your life, and your confession to him is what ignites it and gets you to step into your purpose. You can stay on the outside. You can drive a go-kart or you can jump in a stinking jet. It's your choice, but it's through the doorway of confession. I choose the jet. When David receives God's grace, all of a sudden he's, he's compelled to, go, to, to understand his purpose and calling. Psalm 51, 13, he says this. Oh, looky here. Then I'll teach your transgressors your way. God, once you, once you give me a new heart, a new spirit, then I'll tell the sinners. I'll tell those who are lost and broken and going to hell. I'll tell those who don't know you. Oh, God, I will, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed those you called me to feed. I'm going to serve what you called me to serve. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to go and do what you told me to do in the first place. Reignition of his calling. I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. When's the last time you felt the flames of God's calling licking your soul on the inside? Now, I'm serious. When's the last time? God says, I'm ready to reignite you. The pathways through confession. And then, and then David shows us the, the next restoration in our life is the releasing of our worship to him. When you fully realize that you've strayed, that you've sinned, when you acknowledge before God and you ask him to cleanse you and to grow you and you, 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 keep, you keep your account short with God. When you fail, you oh God, I'm sorry, please forgive me for, and then you say it. When you receive his grace, when you feel his joy, when you realize he's wiped away all of your sins, then what happens is the releasing of your worship to a holy God. It's no longer about the songs you like. It's no longer about the sound you like. It's no longer about the volume you like. It's about the God of the universe who has called you to be his child. He gets your worship. He gets your attention. You are filled with joy. You're filled with life. You are my king, and I will follow you forever. That is what happens when you understand the power of your confession before God and what he has for you. When's the last time that worship bobbled up from inside of you because you just couldn't take it anymore? When's the last time that you saw God for who he was, that he's your everything, 
He's your source. He's your life. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your forgiver. He's your new heart releaser. He's the healer of your mind. He's the restorer of your broken bones. He's the air in your lungs. He's the blood in your veins. He's the creator of your DNA. And you just go, oh, I worship you today, oh God. Because you are worthy. Because you are holy. Because I stand in your presence. Because of you. And as we stand and our worship is no longer hindered, it's no longer distracted by our lives and our phones and our thoughts and our emotions and our, I don't like this, I don't like, it doesn't matter in comparison. To you, God, who marked me before I was ever born. You have filled me with your spirit when I was five. Who baptized me in the Holy Spirit when I was six. You, God, the one who was there on my worst day. You, God, who forgave me for my most embarrassing moment. You, God, who reignited my call at 17. You, God, who've been faithful. <laughs> that I've never been without. You, God, who chose me, who picked me, who loved me, who knows my name, who calls me son. You, God, you get it all. You get me. That God who did that wants to do it again 
and again and again in your life. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you his joy. He wants to restore your calling. He wants to release your worship. He wants to restore your confidence. You don't have to walk around with your head low, hiding from people. You don't have to stand in a group of people and be small. What do you mean? You're a child of God. You put your shoulders back. You stand differently now. And he restores your confidence because you actually now are made up of who he is. And all of that is found on the other side of confession and humbling yourself before God. He says, I want you to have this. And he says, the pathway to your restoration is your humble confession. When's the last time you felt his new heart beating in you? When's the last time you felt his calling pulsing in your, in your soul? When's the last time you felt joy? Sometimes confession is, Lord, I, I've been trying to find my life in the wrong thing. I've been trying to measure my joy in my life with the wrong thing. I confess to you. My joy is not found in me being a mom. It's found in you. My joy is not found in me being a dad. It's found in you. My joy is not found in my bank account. It's found in you. My joy is not found, found, in, found in how many people like me. It's found in you. My joy, my worth, it's not, it's not found in how many, if a boy likes me and wants to date me, or if a girl likes me and wants to date me. God, I am a daughter of you. I am a son of God. I am, my joy is found in you because you're the only thing that's actually worth living for. Your, your attention and, and your love and your kindness is actually the only thing that I crave. It's the only thing I want. I thought I wanted everything else, but I only want you. I only want you. And God stands to offer you what you actually want. It's paid for. Will you step through the door? If we can, let's stand to our feet. I want you to know something today that God wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He's offering his restoration to you. Will you humbly confess before him? We're going to take a few moments as we close this service. And we're going to spend time in the presence of God. And if you want to step into the restoration of God,
We're going to open these altars. And I'm telling you, this is God's pathway to what you really want. No matter if you've been walking with God for 50 years. Actually, the more I walk with God, the more I, I lose I lose the reality of what confession before God really does in my life. We're so busy. Our lives are so crazy. And we find ourselves needing a new heart and not having any joy. And not knowing what our calling is anymore. When's the last time you just humbled yourself before the Lord? So, Lord, here I am. I confess to you my doubts, my fears, my lust, my failings, my lies, my drunkenness, the weed I use. the gossip that I allow out of my mouth, the negativity of my, God, I give it all to you. The Lord's inviting you and your restoration's on the other side of your confession. So let's pray together. Father, over the next several moments, as we come to your altars, We come to you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would minister in this room. You would heal. You would restore. And God, your people would boldly come to your throne room of grace and confess and trust you with their sins. And may you meet them and minister to them and heal them fresh. And you, may you pour out your spirit of brokenness over their life that they would weep with joy. In Jesus' name, if you want that, just come to the altars as we worship the Lord.
today who, who don't realize that actually God wants you to be restored. You think he just wants you to be forgiven? God says, I want to restore you. If there's any, any area of your life that you need restoration, just take a moment and ask him to restore you. If there's anything in your life that you recognize this isn't what God would have for me, then ask him to restore you. Ask him to restore you. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to release his presence into your life. Some of you have never worshiped God freely. Some of you are uncomfortable with it. You don't know what to do. You, you, I, you, just, it, this isn't a personality thing. This is a, a posture of the heart thing. This is the God, you get it all thing. And whatever that all is, I'm just telling you, ask God to release it. If there's something hindering you, this, this is something that hinders people. The same criticism that they've given to others it comes back to them. Jesus says, same judgment that you've put on others will come to you. And we think, see, don't judge. No, 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 no. What he's talking about, when you judge someone for their worship, oh, that's so extravagant. Oh, that, look, they're so emotional. Then when you, God begins to move in your life and you begin to worship, guess what? The same judgment you put on them, you feel it. And you, never, you go, never mind. If you need the freedom of the Holy Spirit, to release you, to relax and worship God freely in His presence. Just ask Him. Allow God's presence to restore you. Just for a few more moments, just right where you are. Just begin to invite the Lord into your life fresh and new. 
If you need a new touch of the Holy Spirit, a new baptism, you just ask him right now. Lord, fill me fresh and new with your spirit. God, fill me with your anointing fresh and new. If you need healing in your body today, just just lift your hands to the Lord just right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would release the healing power of of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, that by his stripes, we have been healed. And Lord, we sense or feel at times we're not worthy of your healing. We're worthy of of the curse of sin. But Jesus, you nailed the curse of sin on the cross for us. So in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, won't you move and release your healing power. Release your healing power over your people, over their bodies. In the name of Jesus, receive the healing of the Lord. It's His healing. It's His healing. It's his healing. Lord, we receive it. God, so many of us struggle with doubt. We think, yes, God, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. Lord, the reality is we never do have enough faith. That's why we put our faith in your faith, that your faith is perfect. Our faith isn't. Your faith is everything we need. Our faith isn't. Just like we don't put any faith in our righteousness, we put our faith in your righteousness. It's your righteousness that I believe in. And so Lord, today, if you're struggling right now with that aspect of, oh, do I have enough faith? Do I? Listen, it's not your faith. It's Jesus's faith. It's his perfect faith for you. Put your faith in his perfect faith for you. Is his, is his faith perfect? Yes. Then trust his faith, not yours. Trust this. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we fix our eyes on the perfect faith of Jesus Christ, our substitute, the one who became everything that we are, including our lousy faith, so that we can become everything that he is. Lord, right now, in this area of healing, I pray for the faith of your people that they can put their faith in Jesus' perfect faith for their healing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, may you release your healing power over your people. Touch their bodies, touch their backs, touch their minds, touch their blood pressure. Heal them right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would minister in the bodies of these people, that you minister to their, that you would rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus that you would rebuke, you would rebuke mental illness in the name of Jesus, that you would bring healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you today that you are still in the business of healing. You're still in the business of moving in our lives. You're still in the business of restoration. And so Lord, today we put our faith in your perfect faith, Jesus. There's just one, one more thing I sense that some of you have lost sight of your calling. You've lost sight of it. You don't even know where the heck it is. The Lord, 
This is why I feel like God's saying he wants to gift you with a reminder of your call. You were not put on this earth to wake up, drink coffee, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, wake up, drink coffee, go to work. You were not, this, this, this is not your purpose. It's not your purpose. It's what, it might be what you do. It is not your calling. It's not your purpose. God's got a calling for you in the smack dab middle of your life right now. And he wants to, he wants to gift it to you. If you just want a refreshing reminder of your call, the call of God on your life, just lift your hands to the Lord. I need it. I need it today. Lord, will we need you today. God wants you to release, release the gift of your calling that wakes us up in the morning, that keeps us up at night, that keeps us moving forward. God, remind us of the gift of your calling so we don't fill our lives with things that that numb us so we don't realize we don't know what it is. God, today, we want to lift our eyes to your call in our lives. You purchased us with your blood. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would, you would just move right now and release a new, fresh understanding of your call, of your purpose. Remind your precious people of who you are and why you chose them, why you saved them, why you redeemed them. God, remind them that you've called them to be doing things that are supernatural. Remind them that they're not called to be mundane, everyday believers. You called them to be different. They are a peculiar people. God has set you apart to be kings and priests, to rule and reign. May you walk in the calling of God on your life. May you step out of the boredom of mundane suburbia life and may you step into the kingdom of God. Begin to walk in the power and the presence of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, in closing, I just want to pray God's blessing over us. I just want what God wants for you. I just want what God wants for you. I don't claim to know it all. I don't know all the details. I know the big pieces. What I know is this. We're entering in a day and an age where normal church folk are going to be eaten alive. And we see it now. But not this folk. And so just as a family, can we just respond to the Lord? Just lift your hands to him. If you want to just continue to pray, the altar, you can do that. You don't have to. I just... Lord, we just want to commit ourselves to you as your people. God, we want to publicly declare today, we want what you want. And so, we, in the name of Jesus, bind every demonic spirit, demonic stronghold, every curse, 
and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to move in our families, in our lives, in a fresh new way, that we would walk in the release of the anointing and restoration that you have for us. Lord, I ask you that we as a church would not be satisfied with anything other than what you want. That we would not put our preferences in over your preference. That we would not articulate the future because of what we've known of the past. That we would not put you in a box of what we like and don't like. That we would not allow your spirit to manifest because of what we saw. But we today make a commitment. We will allow you to do what you want because of who you are. This is your church. We are your people. You do what you want. Can you just tell them, can we tell them, Lord, do what you want. Come on, say it like you mean it. Lord, do what you want. Say it again. Lord, do what you want. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.